Good Morning Granville Chapel. Last week, for those of you that tuned in, we began our Listening to a World in Pain series. The idea behind this is that as we learn to be people who listen to God's voice and the nudges of the Holy Spirit, we also need to learn to be people who listen carefully to the cries of pain of the world around us. Last week, we addressed the issue of racism. And then, of course, the sad story of the undocumented First Nation children burials hit the media. We had already planned to look specifically at what truth and reconciliation for First Nations in Canada needs to look like on June 20th. And you might be praying for Mike Bennett as he prepares to lead us into that. Today, though, we are looking at another big issue in our world. Climate catastrophe and human responsibility. Now, very clearly, for those of you that know me, I am not a scientist. But it is increasingly clear that life on our planet Earth is being impacted negatively by our collective behaviors. We have entered the so-called Anthropocene Age. Akim Steiner of the United Nations Development Program had this to say, the pressures we exert on the planet have become so great that scientists are considering whether the Earth has entered an entirely new geological epoch, the Anthropocene, or the age of humans. It means that we are the first people to live in an age defined by human choice in which the dominant risk to our survival is ourselves. Well, that should disturb us all. This Anthropocene epoch that we are living in is marked most significantly by its impacts on biodiversity. We are living through what is being described as the sixth great extinction in the history of Earth. Across the planet, fish, mammals, and birds are dying off in unprecedented numbers. And the extinction rate is growing quickly. The climate is changing under the pressure of the carbon dioxide that we are releasing into the atmosphere from our planes, cars, homes, and factories, most of which are burning fossil fuels. And as everything warms up, every corner of the planet is feeling the effects. Sadly, the loss of ice from the poles and the subsequent rise of sea levels is putting the lives of millions of the poor in increased danger. Storms are becoming more frequent and more deadly, and forest fires are becoming more widespread and frequent. As if that wasn't enough to get 
uh, us all depressed, pollution of land, air, and water is another global scourge with microplastics invading our food chains. I was truly discouraged visiting Thailand a few years ago and witnessing the appalling amounts of plastic waste covering the beaches of what had once been a beautiful island paradise. How then are we, as followers of Jesus, to respond to this tidal wave of depressing information? For too long, the church has been without any kind of voice into all this, perhaps particularly the evangelical church. That is beginning to change, but we have been slow to engage with many of these issues, and some of us have simply denied that it is all happening. But the foundation of our Christian understanding of the world and how we are expected to relate to it lies in our very own scriptures. We read today from Psalm 24, David's emphatic statement concerning the cosmos. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Put simply, the earth has an owner and a maker, and that owner and maker is not us. The book of Genesis paints for us a picture of God calling the universe into being and paying lots of attention, special attention, to the earth. He is the one who introduces life onto the earth and directs it to multiply, and he is the one who creates humanity in his own image. He also tasks humanity with the responsibility of ruling over the rest of life on earth. But this rulership is not a license to exploit. As theologian and pastor Michael R. Stead explains, the kind of rule over creation that humanity is given is to be patterned after God's rule. That is, a rule that protects and nurtures, not a despotic rule that exploits. Our rule over the creation is a delegated rule. We rule under God's authority to exercise a rule that is modeled on God's rule. This ruling is better envisaged as the stewardship and responsible care of the creation. But sadly, from this literal Eden described in Genesis 1, things slip as the humans choose to disobey their creator. One of the consequences of Adam's failure is that God decrees the ground to be cursed on account of Adam's disobedience. 
while we do not understand the full implications of that decision made by God, it is clear that the relationship between humanity and the earth was damaged, but not hopelessly. This is the point at which the passage we had read from Romans 8 comes into play. Paul tells us that the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now that's a long sentence, but it certainly suggests to us that God has bigger purposes for our planet than simply the salvation of people, important and loved as we are by God. In fact, in Colossians, we learn that God's overriding purpose is through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus himself looked forward to what he described as the renewal of all things, a time yet to come when the groaning of creation, which Paul describes in Romans 8, which we can see only too clearly all around us, will actually come to an end and be renewed. So although the climate catastrophe is real and the challenges we face are enormous, we must not simply despair. Surely there are things that we can do to help mitigate the effects of global warming and to encourage a better care for the world God has entrusted to us. Some of these things can begin in small, apparently insignificant ways, like simply paying attention to what is happening around us. Just last week, I was sitting at my kitchen table when I noticed a bird out on a wire about 150 yards away. I couldn't tell what it was, so I grabbed my binoculars and was delighted to see that it was an olive-sided flycatcher, a bird I'd never seen on our street before, just sitting there, a gift from God sent for me to see. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce you this evening to Andrea Ramos Santos, who many of you know best as Gustavo's wife, but who is, among other things, the former executive director of Arrocha Brazil, and who has recently taken on her new responsibility as program operation manager at the Canadian headquarters of Arrocha Canada, Brooksdale Farm. So, Andrea, great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about Arosha for those of those that have never heard about it. Yeah, well, I, I brought my note here. <laughs> Arosha is an inter international Christian organization which, inspired by God's love, engages in scientific research, environmental education, community-based conservation projects, and sustainable agriculture. 
Wow, that's a bit of a mouthful. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. So basically, Arosha is concerned for the environment mm -hmm. and trying to change some of the bad things that are happening out there. Is that the that sort yes, of encapsulated? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Engage people in doing this, transforming yeah. people in places, yeah. So what got you first involved uh, with Arosha? How, how did you, it come to your attention? And uh, I was at InterVarsity at that time, 2002, when I, I read the book Under the Bright Wings by Peter Harris. And they had just published it uh, in Brazil at that time. And after that, I was super excited about the idea, but we didn't have Arosha at that time in Brazil. In 2006, they started Arosha in Brazil, and then... I was involved since the beginning as a volunteer, later on as a staff, and then in 2012 as a executive director. This is the story, yeah. Wow, <laughs> wow, uh, exciting stuff. <laughs> and uh, were there some good stories out of uh, the beginnings of uh, Arosha Brazil? I mean, uh, what, what kinds mm. of things were you doing? Yeah, we're, we're there in Brazil, we're more working with churches and poor communities and kind of empowering them to do some sustainable projects and uh, because in Brazil we we did this big survey with churches in the beginning and we saw the necessity to talk about creation care at the churches and then we started with this big project all over Brazil that is huge it's like I don't know if it's bigger than Canada but it's almost Canada and a lot of people and we started this project with the churches more community-based projects mm -hmm. yeah exciting stuff well andrea you've heard me going on a bit this uh, this morning about um the uh the problems uh of our world and uh the warming and uh, just all the species extinctions and all this stuff that's going on uh, how do you, in your involvement uh, with Arosha, uh, stay hopeful? Uh, because uh, it, it's pretty easy to get depressed when you, you look closely at some of the numbers and the statistics and the, the extinctions and the, 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 the species that are really in trouble. So, so how, do you, how do you stay upbeat? Yeah, that's a good question, Andy, actually, because I think this is the, the difference between Arosha and other organizations, because one, one word that is very important for us is hope. Mm -hmm. And as you are talking in Romans 8, we hope but for not what we see, for what, but for what we do not see. Mm -hmm. And I think we... I, as, as a Christian, I need to keep reminding myself what are the stories that I am part of. And the story that we're part of as Christians is the story of a, a God who created the world, a good world, a generous God that started this, this, this world. And it's all about him, right? As you said before, like the world is from God, the, the creation is, from, is, 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 of, is for God, from God. And this is one thing that I think helped me uh, to keep reminding myself of this story that I'm part of. And, and it's something interesting that when you're, you're saying to me that you're going to talk about Romans 8, is, a, is another uh, thing that Paul do this interesting comparison with the groanings of a childbirth, right? It's like 
is suffering but at childbirth. And, and everybody that had, have kids know that the childbirth, the end, we have a new life. And then there is suffering, but the end is something good that is coming, something new. And I like, I like this comparison that Paul's do, do here because it brings us hope. Maybe the sufferings that we're seeing right now, like the, the extinctions of, of species, the deforestation, the climate change, is something that I believe that something good is coming soon when Jesus comes and his kingdom is established on earth again, like totally, completely, because he started already. And then... I also believe at the same time we have this hope that we cannot, we don't see, but we know because we, we believe. But at the same time, we have this tension between lament and hope, mm -hmm. suffering and hope. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to hold this, this tension very close together, like death and life, suffering and hope, because I believe also that is something that we as Christians need to do and need to learn how to do well. Yeah. Yes. yes. So it's it's not to diminish the pain, yeah. but it, it, it's not to lose sight of the hope that uh, yes. is really the, uh, the the key to this. Yes. And then in your uh, new role at uh, Arosha, uh, so you're involved with some of the programming down there. Mm -hmm. um, are there stories there that uh, give you hope uh, as you see what uh, what Arosha are able to do uh, with their limited resources and, 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 and but with a, a deep desire to make a difference. Yes, yes, we have so many stories. We need to learn better how to tell them to other people. But we have. I, I heard. I started in February and I heard so many good stories already. Uh, one little story that we, uh, we I see hope when I when I saw this, when we found the salish sucker, that is this small fish that was, we, we thought was extinct in the Little Campbell River, that is the river that crossed Brooksdale. And we found this, this fish a few years ago and it, this helped a lot, Brooksdale and all the programs to, to raise some money with grants and to, because of the, this little fish, the salish sucker that we found there, down there. Another story that maybe we could tell is the stories of newcomers in Canada, like these families that come, they don't know what to do and how to cook these new ingredients. And we help them with fresh, um, farm fresh vegetables from the farm at Arosha. And we, seen, we teach them how to cook, how to even buy this, these ingredients, these vegetables at, at grocery store and this, this is another beautiful program that we have at Russia called Farm to Families that help these new families, these newcomers to Canada to, to enjoy these this, this vegetables and to have a better, to have food security, so we say. And in another story that I heard just last week is a, about a, a person who was experiencing some uh, eating disorders, and after her experience at Arosha, planting, harvesting, cooking together, and eating together, he, she experienced a new way to see food, like a, as a gift, as a sacred thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I remember when people were sharing this story, it was everybody was super moved. Wow, this is why we do the things that we do at Russia. Yes. We work for, uh, Russia is transforming people and places all the time. This is mm -hmm. what we want to do and this is what we are doing right now there. Uh, yeah. 
Well, Andrea, I think we're going to see a video uh, of that uh, uh, Farm to Families program, which, is, which will be, uh, be fun in just a minute. But thank you so much for uh, sharing some of your heart uh, around this area. And uh, I know that uh, Arosha is always uh, seeking to raise uh, funds. Uh, and uh, you're invited to be part of that uh, team raising funds and that if anybody wants to support you in your new role, uh, they can send money to Arosha and just uh, say, this is for Andrea. <laughs> hey, so that's, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. okay. Andrea, thanks so much for, uh, for coming this evening. It's uh, great, great to have you. Thanks, yeah. Andy. Thank you. Farm to Families is a great opportunity to connect people with their food through the soil and also through the land. It's so much fun to be with people, especially when it's a first experience and in a new place to make connections. Uh, food is so connected to our earth and the way that we look after it. And so it's great to find a connecting point with new people or people who are from far away. It's such a great opportunity. New Hope Community Services is a nonprofit. We do transitional housing for newcomer refugee families. And we had these community garden beds that were donated to us, but for years we just didn't really know how to use them because our families didn't know what season to plant in or what exactly to plant. And so by partnering with Arosha, we've been able to just make it into this community thing. The Arosha team has come and worked with our kids and worked with our families and our moms. And it's so fun to watch moms like planting bees beside each other, watching teenage boys digging in the dirt together and watching like kids find their first worm or water the garden and take ownership of it and then like harvest the vegetables and learn about the vegetables as they go. One of my favorite things just working in this multicultural environment is how digging in the dirt brings everyone together. It's been a really special way to build our community here at New Hope, but also just a chance for education about Canadian seasons and about the vegetables in Canada and in our lives. And so we are just really thankful for partnering with Erosha. Um, in the last year of this pandemic, we were actually able to still do our Farm Families programming and serve kids and seniors and families and expand our programming so that we could include phone-based workshops and Zoom workshops and be able to serve more people who want to learn about gardening, cooking, enjoying nature this difficult time and building community with one another. So thank you to all of you for making this possible. We're thrilled to still be running this in the midst of a pandemic. Thank you for your support. As we conclude, let us pray that God would give our leaders and our fellow citizens the desire to steward our earth responsibly. Lord, we pray for your blessing on all those who, like Arosha, are seeking for a sustainable way forward. We pray for those using their talents to develop green alternatives to some of the more destructive 
means of transportation and construction that we are currently using. We pray for an end to the selfishness and greed that is causing such havoc in our natural world. And we pray that we would be people of humility as we repent of our own contributions and seek to bring change and hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 